before we start. Does anyone have any questions? Hallelujah. Okay, I'm going to take that as a no. Let me just jump straight in. On Facebook, on YouTube, the whole bit. Michael? On Facebook, on YouTube, the whole bit, like everything? Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for all you're doing in our hearts and in our minds. We thank you, Lord God, for the salvation, Lord God, that was promised to our ancestors that we get to experience even now. Lord, we want to take what you are doing in us seriously. We don't want to minimize, frustrate, ignore all that you've put, everlasting Father, into this finished product of us experiencing the riches of heaven. We thank you, Lord God, for culmination the fullness of time um, being privileged everlasting father to witness it to bear witness to this lord god grand event and what you have in store in jesus name amen i just saw like a little vision now of an eagle's leg gripping on something amen hallelujah um i believe this speaks of laying hold on truth hallelujah amen okay so um week we're going in a specific direction, and uh, we'll trust the Lord to land that plane, and hopefully we can emerge with something practical. Hallelujah. Let me see. I have a few notes here. Mm. Melchizedek School of Priesthood. There we go. Give me the book of Judges, chapter 3. Let's hope we actually get here. This is the goal. I was going to last week, but we never landed there. The book of Judges, chapter 3. Hallelujah. Yes, but I never got to actually reading it. Yes, yeah. Um, even though this is what happened last week, but let me, before we actually read the scripture, let me set up the scripture, if that makes sense. It was through setting up the scripture. I got taken on a tangent before, I, and I never got to come back to it. But um, if you've heard us talking about um, this, um, like, unveiling or unmasking of the soul's inner workings, you've heard us use words like your consciousness, your unconsciousness, amen, your faculties, the thrones of your soul, amen. Um, 
the reason why we are using all of this terminology is not just to sound techie, amen, but the hope is that we understand the reasons why, for example, you would read the Bible, you hear an instruction from God, and yet, or you might even know this is right or this is wrong in your head, amen, and yet you find something contrary, opposing, amen? And um, you would see in the scriptures things like, you know, by stripes you are healed and different things or whatever. And yet you're not experiencing these things. Amen. And um, understanding exactly what, how the scriptures describe or prescribe has, have, has prescri the scriptures have prescribed that we would experience all these things is critical for us to enjoy them. Without following through these processes, you know, going through these protocols, following these protocols, going through these practices, we're going to find ourselves reading about these things but never experiencing them. Amen? Um, there are things that God has set up that dictates how we experience life. Amen? And I explained last week when I spoke about this, you know, the spirit and a child that is born and how they keep on getting bombarded by different things from their environments, both external and internal, and how all of those experiences over time, they form an intelligence, amen, that um, dictates that entity, that being's unique experience of life. And the only way you can change that person's experience of life is by tampering with things in the subconscious and in the unconscious, amen? And there are specific... Uh, We've identified some specific channels, amen, through which um, you can actually reach into these regions and cause change, amen? We identify these as your emotions, your will, your imagination, amen, um, your reasoning, hallelujah, pleasure, amen, hallelujah. Um, the way that you tamper with the contents of your heart is by blowing up these channels, amen? Crossing a specific threshold, okay? Thing crosses a threshold in any of these channels, any of these gateways, amen? It successfully um, communicates something to your subconscious, amen? And our goal in our Christian walk is to, to do this with God's word, amen? And so we want to, the language that... Um, I got Gateways of the Soul from a man called Ian Clayton, um, but I got, um, sorry, Gateways of the Heart from a man called Ian Clayton. I got Thrones of the Soul from a man called Paul Keith Davis. We all know who Paul Keith Davis is, right? Hallelujah. And they explained, uh, he's the one I got, um, Ian Clayton's the one I got the graphic from, that illustration I have with the circle and all the different doors. Amen? Um, I have a different one I did, but I don't have it here with me. Um, I can show that maybe next week or some other time. Amen? But essentially, our objective um, is to reach the subconscious through all of those channels. They're also called your spiritual senses. Hallelujah. It is critical that you see that this process of conquering the heart is not unique to you. Amen. All of our ancestors, they went through this process. Amen? They went through this process because they saw the value in allowing the spirits of God to traffic in and through the heart. You know, um, last week I was about to jump on the tabernacle 
um, before I realized that time was up. Amen? Hallelujah. And um, during the conference, I explained that the tabernacle is whatever construct is able to successfully house the testimony, the testament. Amen? And during the conference, I also explained that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Essentially, um, the testament, which is the writing of the laws of God, amen, according to 2 Corinthians chapter 3, it is not with letters of ink, but by the spirit of God, amen? And if you've heard me speak before concerning... Um, concerning the Holy Spirit and how he delegates ministries. You know that I've said before that the Holy Spirit um, and God in general is communal and communal in that God likes interactions, fellowship. God likes connection, if that makes sense. And so you're going to see that whenever God is doing something, he tends to take the path that involves the most connection. Does that make sense? Um, I see this in many creatures. I look at um, the dog, my sister currently, uh, my little sister's dog is currently in my apartment. And this dog is looking for excuses to touch me, to lick me, to rub itself on me. And God keeps on showing me this all the time. Every time this dog does this, looking for her. She doesn't always want you to be in the room with her only. She wants some kind of physical contact, if that makes sense. And you're going to see that almost every creature, they are designed, the way they're shaped, the way they're designed, is almost for contact. You would see that the way plants... Um, spread their seeds, you see that their seeds would have hooks. So that when animals come looking for nectar or for something, it will hook on them, the seed will hook on them, and they will now carry their seeds somewhere. Then when they go somewhere else, they will now drop the seed and implant. And that's how plants will spread things around. So they will present an excuse for that animal to commune with them, which is, ah, I have this sweet liquid. Do you want some of it? The animal will come and then while feasting, see, there's now an exchange that's taking place. So you see that um, this is not just unique to animals and plants. This is unique to all spiritual entities. If you have an interaction with God in some form or fashion, um, you're going to discover that an angel of God is the one through which um, that interaction took place. I explained before that angels of God, they function like telephones. They're almost like walkie-talkies. Amen? As you interact with um, whenever God wants to fellowship with him, Usually it's a specific operation of God that he has dispensed successfully, amen, to an angel of God. What I actually wanted to say in the beginning was that the Holy Spirit in, in an effort to um, exhibit this trait of communal living, of interaction, of community, he delegates a lot of his operations, amen, to angels of God. So you find angels having a caricature of a working of the spirits of God that they capture, successfully captured, amen. So you see an angel that's called Michael the likeness of God. We know that an angel cannot house the likeness of God, right? But the Holy Spirit has delegated a portion, a caricature of this ministry to this angel. And this angel is able, when that angel is present, amen, the, there is now, through that angel's presence, amen, that operation of the spirits of God is therefore present. Just because that angel is there. Does that make sense? And so when you look at this, and you see that, the entire angelic echelon, amen, is meant to accomplish this. They're just meant to capture all of the Holy Spirit's diverse operations. Then when you read Matthew, sorry, the book of John chapter 1, the very last verse, when Jesus Christ was speaking to Nathaniel, he said something. You will see the heavens open and what? Angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Essentially what he's saying is that 
you're going to discover that I am the, the Christ, the anointed one, amen, is someone that all of the operations of the spirits of God have been captured bodily, amen? So because of this, all the angels of God, he is their airport, he is their CIA, Central Intelligence Agency, he is their HQ. Does this make sense? So I'm saying all of this because as we see that the testament, amen, should be written upon our hearts. The new covenant is the writing of God's laws on our hearts, amen. I want us to see this process as including those ministries. You know, when, when you talk about angels of God, try to not um, be distracted by the fear of worshiping angels. Does that make sense? And focus on the fact that when these creatures are present, they are bringing an operation of God to you. That's what they're called messengers. Amen? Try to understand that when angels coming to you, ah, I must, who's worship God? Though? Don't let that be what consumes you. Let's, it's just like a phone comes to you. This is not my dad. This is a phone. This is a phone. You see, <laughs> why would that be my, why would that be what, be what I'll be preoccupied with? My preoccupation is, Wow, I'm seeing Papa here. Does that make sense? I'm so glad I get to commune with you, amen? And there's other ways that God will have us commune with him, amen? Beyond angelic interactions, amen? I'm just drawing attention to this or whatever because usually their presence um, requires a, a, some kind of frequency or intensity, amen? Hallelujah. So when you see Jesus saying, you see the heavens open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man, he's speaking about diverse operations of the spirits of God, that he was successfully able to tabernacle. Hallelujah. Now, the way he came into this was by this principle I'm about to describe here, amen, of putting God's word in your heart is going to end, end up with you having the same testimony that Jesus Christ had, where angels of God will ascend and descend upon you. You know the reason why? If you check what the angels of God are obsessed with, it is the law. So if the law is successfully written upon your heart, if you're able to house the testimony, you become the tabernacle of God. And if you check how the Bible describes the temple of God, the tabernacle of God, the shrine of God, you will see that on the walls, amen, the, the boundary between the temple and not the temple, you're going to see paintings of angels, sculptures everywhere. Meaning that what? They, they frolic, they swarm around the testimony. Amen? So for this reason, when you read in the Bible that an angel took a shower, amen, and anyone that touched that water, the angel touched, got healed. What should come into our mind is that, wow, if I interact with God's word, then if I would go and take a shower or go to a bathroom or go to a toilet, then anyone that what? Uses that bathroom would themselves get healed. Not because I have the operation of the angel. No, the angel is swarming around God's word in my heart. Does that make sense? On this basis, amen, you can see why the, the, the activity, amen, of engaging God's word is a very spiritual one. Does this make sense? When I say very spiritual. The activity of Allowing God's word to flood through all of these faculties. In fact, the, 
I saw this verse today. Worship you afar off. Yes. If you look at what, give me Exodus, we're going to go back to that scripture, amen. I'm still going to go back there, amen. I want to set this up in a specific way. Give me Exodus chapter 24. Yes. The language I've used um, to describe, or the word I've used, or term I've used to describe, thank you, to describe this process of your subconscious and your unconscious, amen, receiving God's word through any of these faculties, I've described as feasting, amen? I've used that term feasting, amen? We are feasting because we want the abundance, amen, of God's word to cross, you know, in our hearts, to cross, sorry, to AS, abundance of God's word to enter into our hearts through these faculties. So for this reason, I use the language of feasting. Feasting suggests that what? A lot of food, right? So you're taking a lot of God's word through your emotions, through your reasoning faculties, right? Through your will, amen? Through your imaginations, through your pleasures, amen? Hallelujah. So um, God said to Moses, come up to the Lord, you, Aaron, Nadab, and Habu, and 70 of the elders of Israel, and worship from afar, okay? Now, the way they were going to worship from afar is captured here is when they feasted on God. Is everyone listening? What I'm trying to say here is the act, amen, of successfully inscribing, amen, of successfully downloading, is everyone listening? The laws of God into your heart is worship. Is everyone listening? Now, thank you, Jesus. I can see, I'm now seeing the path to where I'm going, amen? So when you see someone engaging God's word through their emotions, maybe in the place of singing a song, it is not the singing of the song that is worship. Is everyone listening? It is the intentional interaction, amen, of that individual soul with the truth of God's word that is maybe explained or illustrated through that worship song. Does that make sense? That is the worship there, the heart process. When you see someone reasoning out the scripture, when I say, I don't mean arguing with the scriptures. I mean, allowing the logic of, the, of God, the wisdom of God to infiltrate their soul. That is worship also. Is everyone listening? So when you're reading the scriptures and you're going, wow, because something just made sense to you, that is worship that is taking place. Does that make sense? Now, here is the part I want to get to. Because I've described now your emotions, I've described your reasoning gates, okay? Let me go one step further. Your imagination, okay? When you take the scriptures, for example, now, right? And you intentionally picture the scriptures in a way that is real. You allow yourself to see what God is saying as real. Amen? This is what usually happens when you spend a lot of time in the scriptures. And maybe the Bible is telling you to do something. Go and forgive your brother. And you, you get caught up with that reality of what forgiving your brother would do for you according to the scriptures. Specifically, it has to be according to the scriptures. I need to make sure that we understand that. The thing we want to inscribe on us is not what Buddha is saying that sounds good. Like, if I forgive, um, forgiveness, I, I saw something, um, giving is Allah something. I saw something, there's this central mosque, lucky central mosque. You see all these writings that, um, from the Quran. I know they copy from the Bible, Amen. But when you read all of them, if you go and put those things in your heart, it's not God you're going to find. <laughs> Amen? The authority of Scripture is so critical. In fact, 
Let me open a verse of scripture that I think is very, very critical. Amen? It is because there's no light in them. This is Isaiah chapter 8. Thank you. Isaiah chapter 8 from verse 20. I want to hammer. <laughs> she knew I was going to say. <laughs> Hallelujah. Give me Isaiah chapter 8 from verse 20. Amen? Yes. Now, this is very important. When you read Joshua chapter 1, and God said, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. You shall meditate on it day and night. Please understand that at the time when Joshua was receiving these instructions from God, Moses just downloaded this thing not too long ago. It wasn't like now that we now know it is the canon. Does that make sense? That we know that this is the word of God per se. It was, it was, it was through Joshua's instructions that were given to Joshua and through other men of God that kept that download successfully. We discovered that, wow, all the people that were keeping this thing that Moses received, amen, their lives went a specific, on a specific trajectory. Is what I'm saying making sense? To the law and to the testimony, if they do not speak according to this word, it is because there is no light in them. What I'm trying to say here is that what we are looking for, branding upon ourselves, is the law. Does that make sense? Specifically the laws that we give to Moses. When I say law given to Moses, I'm not talking about the rituals of ceremonial cleansing. Amen? I'm talking about what God gave to Moses that Moses prophetically captured in the scriptures. Does that make sense? The actual law that God gave to Moses is Jesus. Amen? In a shadow, yes. But if I see, you can see someone shadow and recognize who the person is, right? Amen? So that law of Moses is the, it's called a canon of scripture. In fact, if you check, all the different sects and different what is it now, they, they have a, an unusual reverence for the first five books of Moses. Amen? Where the character of Christ is captured in almost a very explicit form. Amen? That thing there is meant to be inscribed upon the heart. It's not meant for books. It's not meant for your, your iPad. It's not meant for your tablet. It is meant for your heart. Okay? So you go through now. You see forgiveness in the scriptures. You take what God's word is saying and you begin to see it as real. The reality. That's what Joshua had to do. He had to meditate on a day and night and see that the way for prosperity to have good success was to receive this thing as real. Now, that place, what you call your imagination, amen? When a child is first born and they're experiencing like they've been bombarded time and time and time again by different um, um, param you know, parameters in the environment, both internal and external, amen? They do not know what is real and what is not real. Some of, their ex some of what they experience is their memories also being fired at them as well. Amen? They cannot tell the difference when they're first born. So you see a child is looking at you. He cannot tell if you are a dream or if you're a memory. Amen? It takes a while before the child can, it can register in the soul of the child that I am now experiencing real. Have you ever had a dream before that is so, you think is so real? Amen? It's because that gateway is speaking. That faculty. Amen? Is, is, is ministering to you. Is ministering to you. Amen? You know that you can actually take God's word in that manner, with that intensity, that it becomes so real to you, possesses you. That is a gateway you're resting. Does that make sense? That is a throne of your soul. 
That is your imagination. I spoke about reasoning, imagination. Which other one now? Pleasure. Amen. There is a way, amen, that you can find pleasure in the scriptures. You see the writings of David. Your word is sweeter than honey. And this can become your experience. When you just hear anything about God, there's some things you just hear about God and you're just smiling. You don't know why. You know why? <laughs> it's because you've been doing something to yourself over time. Amen? That is another faculty that you're arresting with the scriptures through which your subconscious can be attacked. The last one I want to get to is your will. Now, this is one of the faculties that um, I feel needs to be explained the best. But there's a process called synesthesia. I'm going to explain what that is. Amen? Synesthesia is a process of, of um, stimulating or triggering one of your senses by triggering another sense. So if you know it will nullify something on a different place in your body. Does that make sense? Or someone can make you taste something by playing a sound. Or like it happens when you go, if you go to a bakery now and you smell a vanilla cake. Scientists even recommend, or educationists recommend, sorry, that when you are studying, burn a candle with a specific fragrance. Then when you go for your test, burn that same fragrance as well. And what would happen is that the memory lodged inside of you because of synesthesia, we is working at the same time. Amen? This is a process that you use in engaging God's word as well. Apart from the literal study of God's word with a fragrance, if, if you want to do that. But I'm talking about the place of synesthesia. Where, which is, I would do what God is saying I should do. This is one of the most powerful ones. They're all powerful, that's the truth. Amen? But I'm pointing, making reference to this one because this one, this specific gift, for example, in times of persecution, in times of, what else now? In times of disappointment. You know all of your emotions can be failing you. Everything that God has said doesn't seem to come to pass. But because God's word has, you will. This is what someone like Todd White did when he saw the scriptures about how Jesus Christ gave the apostles power to heal the sick. Amen? You know what he began to do? Without feeling anything, anything, without hearing anything, what did he begin to do? Then he saw his first healing. By the time he had exercised his will, that many times, God's word had entered inside of him. And so because of that now, when he goes around, I have experienced this. There's people that, I don't know what it is, eh? the gate of your will is very powerful. In fact, if you check the scriptures, it seems like God's desire was that since Israel was not willing to receive God, through that gate of their will, they would do that. The problem was that they didn't even want. They didn't even want. So you see verses like say things like, what? if you are willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. The good of the land is God's word. The promised land is very, very important. Now, I'm saying all of these things because worship towards God, all of these faculties are to be interacted with, are to be engaged. That's what I'm saying. We can finally land there. Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for understanding. We thank you for wisdom, Lord God. We thank you for skill, Sting Father. We thank you, Lord God, for a tangible, Lord God, deposit everlasting, Father, of skill with your word. 
We're going to be proficient, Lord. We will be responsive in the name of Jesus. We are responsive in the name of Jesus to your word. We are not lazy. We are not slothful. We are diligent in the name of Jesus. We are hardworking in the name of Jesus. We are fruitful. We are good soil in the name of Jesus. We bring forth fruit in the name of Jesus. We bring forth a full term in the name of Jesus. We are like the Hebrew women. We are strong. We have might. We can handle your word. In the name of Jesus, we can lay hold on your word. In the name of Jesus. Can we pray in the Holy Spirit? Thank you, Jesus, for understanding. Thank you, Jesus, for wisdom. Thank you, Jesus, for counsel. Thank you, Jesus, for might. Thank you, Jesus, for knowledge. Thank you, Jesus, for the fear of the Lord. May the spirit of the Lord rest upon us. May the finger of God minister to us. Inscribe your law upon our hearts, Lord Jesus. Write your word inside of us, Lord Jesus. Let your Shekinah glory rest upon us. Let there be tangible deposits, Lord God. Let there be signs. Let there be tokens in the name of Jesus. In the name of as a community, Lord God. We want you together, Lord God, bask in our heritage. Enjoy, Lord Jesus. Enjoy and draw, Lord God, with this joy from the wells of salvation. Our inheritance, Lord God. Our heritage, Lord God. We will not abandon everlasting, Father, our civilization, our culture of ministering to you, Lord God, of worshiping you by inscribing everlasting, Father, your laws upon our hearts. Thank you, Heavenly Father. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm so sorry, I was supposed to see you. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Judges chapter 3. Bless that man. Amen. <laughs> These are the nations which the Lord left. Wow. Can you click on that again? Thank you. Which the Lord left that he might test Israel by them. That is all who had not known any of the wars in Canaan. Now, I'm going to say two or three things. Amen. I have discovered something. Most of my life, I'm going to share, I'm not talking, I'm, I'm, I'm going to, it's going to seem like I'm talking about witchcraft for a second, but I'm going to use this to explain something, amen? Most of my life, all of my encounters with witches and wizards has been as I wake up and someone is dead, amen? That has been most of my life. 
little bit of maybe one or two scumpuffles, but really mostly I'll wake up and things are dead, or I'll go to sleep. I'll, now, basically what I discovered was that the, the, my normal daily practices, amen, they brought forth a sufficient enough manifestation of the presence of God that dealt with most of the confrontations I've had most of my life. Amen? But then I remember a specific period of time of what if the Lord told me I should read my Bible, <laughs> the entire Bible, um, every, either every month or every two weeks. That was how I heard the instruction. I'm saying that because maybe that's not exactly what he said. So I began. I, I now understand what the Lord was saying. Amen? The Lord was telling me I need to crank up my intake volume-wise of the scriptures. I had to, the intake was going to be more serious to be able to, um, for the Lord, the Lord wanted me to see something. Now, I'm saying the Lord wanted me to see something because the way that you deal with witches and wizards, amen, should not be something that is treated separately from your worship to God. Does that make sense? Your worship to God should actually deal with witches and wizards automatically. You shouldn't have to do something special. Amen? But I've discovered something over time, and it is that there are thresholds, amen, that if you do not cross in your routines, your practices, in your priesthood, amen, there are operations of God that will not be present in your life. Now, as you mature as a believer, amen, God will not allow you to be tempted or go through trials beyond what you can bear. But after a period of time, there are some operations of God you ought to come into. Does that make sense? And because you fail to come into those operations of God, the measure of confrontations that you'll be dealing with over time, they're going to begin to hit closer to home. Does that make sense? Not because witches and wizards are coming now. No, 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 no. There's a measure of growth. You, there's, a, there's a threshold you ought to cross. Which if you have not crossed you're going to discover that dark entities will begin to, they will begin to seemingly overshadow you. Does that make sense? And you find yourself under dark influences. Not because you need to increase so that you can beat the witches out. No, 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 no. Your worship to God alone should deal with them. This has to be understood. When it is not sufficient, when your worship to God is not sufficient, the Bible says, give God the glory due his name. I explain what worship is, right? Worship is the inscribing of God's laws upon your hearts. That is the new covenant. That is the new testament. That is how we, that is what worship is. It's not about singing a song. I've explained how when you obey an instruction, it is worship. Through the gateway, through the throne, through the faculty of your will. Amen? Now, if you are not able to bring forth an offering unto God, sufficient to bring him pleasure, that you ought to bring. Remember when Cain and Abel, um, they both brought before offerings before God. Both of them were priests unto God. I'm sure we know that, right? Cain was actually, if you read the scripture very carefully, you understand the Old Testament um, priesthood and the offerings that were brought forward. Cain had, was able to bring forth more superior, he was further advanced than Abel was. That's the truth. But, amen, to the degree, to his level, he was not meeting up. Does that make sense? And because he wasn't meeting up, that vacuum left, Amen. Something came and sat inside of there. It doesn't happen immediately. It takes a while, but something will eventually sit inside. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And then God told him, can you reduce the, <laughs> it's a little bit distracting, amen? Thank you. 
What should have happened was that that offering, if offered correctly, should have dealt with. Does that make sense? That's agents of darkness that was in his heart. When God says sin lies at your door. Hallelujah. So when you see the scriptures talk about spiritual warfare. Amen. Don't think in your mind about fighting demons or witches and wizards. Think about dealing with strongholds. Think about dealing with high things. Think about dealing with thoughts. Amen. Think about dealing with the culture of your soul first. That is the warfare. In fact, when you look at the weapons of our warfare, laid out in Ephesians chapter 6, when you read them, initial thoughts, you would think that the sword of the Spirit is for Satan. The sword of the Spirit is not for Satan. The Bible says, when the Bible says we wrestle, um, not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, rulers of the darkness of this world, spiritual wickedness in heavenly places, don't think in your mind that the, the prince of Persia, you and him are wrestling. Amen? That's not really what's happening. What's actually happening is that the civilization... The culture, amen, those things that these spirits have spat out for us, amen, as ways of life, has infiltrated those faculties I've been speaking about where you offer worship to God. And when your, your spirit man is projecting the life of God to your soul, those things are slapping, literally, because they can't do that without your help. Does that make sense? They can't do that without a false belief system. When I say belief system, a belief system is something that is registering in any of these faculties. Does that make sense? I mean, it looks a bit technical today, man. Hallelujah. Does everyone understand what I'm saying? When we say, do you believe this thing, amen, it means that at least one of your faculties has received God's word to at least the subconscious level, at the very least. Does that make sense? And so when the Bible is saying we wrestle against these entities, don't think about fighting a prince somewhere outside. No, no. It is those things that are resisting the entrance of God's word. That is the warfare. Is everyone listening? Now, when we fail in that warfare, witches and wizards, they have a right to attack. They cannot attack you through any door you didn't give them. Ever heard that phrase, the curse, costless, shall not come. Hallelujah. So when we're reading this here, these are the nation which the Lord left that he might test Israel by them. That is all who had not known any of the wars in Canaan. When we're talking about spiritual warfare, it's not, when you see sort of the spirit, don't think in your mind it's to go and stab Satan. No. It is to drive, amen? If it, what do you, what do you, what, the, the structure of a dagger, it's pointy first, right? Then it expands, right? It is to penetrate something. Right? That sort of the spirit is actually for your own soul. It's for your own heart. Sir? That's right, to drive unbelief out of the heart. The wrestling is that as the process is taking place, it feels like you are hurting yourself. But Paul explains that it's not you that you are hurting. Who are you wrestling with? Principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this world, spiritual hosts of wickedness, in heavenly places, in high places. These entities, they have given you a life that you should live, that you have believed is your own. Now, 
when this word of God is coming to take away that life, it feels like you are wounding yourself. But the wisdom of Paul is that it's not yourself you're wrestling with though. It's that life that they gave you. Does that make sense? God's word is coming for that life they gave you. For example, now, let's say the Lord tells you, this, how many, how many scriptures I'm supposed to read thing or whatever. It is going to require some kind of sacrifice. I remember when I started, oftentimes, I'm going to give instruction, even if I don't feel like doing it, I would at least start somewhere, right? Just be, offer up some response first and then exercise yourself, then continue exercising yourself until you can obey the instruction eventually. If God tells you, go on a 40-day fast, don't say, hell, who can do this? Begin, first of all, by start fasting. Fast here, fast there, fast, 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 fast. And as you keep on fasting, increase the intensity, increase the length over time. Amen? If you don't have grace for fasting, use your will as a faculty to get the grace for fasting. Can I say something to us? Amen? Spiritual things, they are really not as hard as we think they are. The Bible says, if you want God, seek for him with all of your heart, you will find him. All of these, all the things in the scriptures, they're all available to us. But which faculty are you going to use synesthesia to arrest? Does that make sense? Because if you can take one faculty successfully from that stronghold, you can overcome all the other ones. Is everyone listening? Remember that phrase in Habakkuk? I would mount up and I would see what he would say to me. That's synesthesia at play there where you're using the one place that is working to arrest the other ones. Through this gate, I can see. Through this one, I can see. So I now hinge my life on this. After a while, when that entire faculty has been conquered by God's word, all the other ones will fall under the sway of that one. Does that make sense? This is why, for example, now someone can believe God's word and they don't feel anything. You can't choose. I refuse to not believe God's word. I refuse to not, yes. <laughs> Amen. I choose to believe. I refuse to worry. I refuse to doubt. You might feel like you're doubting. Oh, I love this one. This is a recent one I got, God showed me. This is a recent one God showed me. God has been showing me little tricks here and there. You know, when you keep on holding on to God's word, believing for something and it's not manifesting yet, you have to, you're going to have to go through all these different thoughts of Satan <laughs> lying to you. The, one of the first ones, I'll share two of them. One of them was, um, you are tired. You, are so, you have been believing God for a long time for this thing. Kai. It's taking too long. That's the devil talking. When I discovered it was the devil talking, do you know how much strength came to me? <laughs> I'm telling you, try this in your life. Believe it, though. Don't, don't try it and then don't believe it. Otherwise, become useless. This is what I'm telling you. If you, don't, if you don't use them, they'll become useless. Does that make sense? So I want to encourage you, practice these things. When the Lord showed me this, I said, so I'm really not tired. I now heard in my heart, yes, you're not tired. <gasps> From that point onwards, I am never not tired. I am the one that chooses to be tired. I am never not tired of seeking God, of enjoying, of enjoying God in some specific areas of my life. I am never not tired. As far as some areas are concerned. There's some areas where believing that I'm not tired is a little bit difficult. But as far as some areas are concerned, I am never tired. No, 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 no. In the middle of the night, in my dreams, in my, you can take me anywhere. I am not tired. It's not, I'm not boasting, it's just the truth. I am not, because the person that's telling me I'm tired is not me, it is the devil. So I am not tired. Another one, oh, come on. Yes, he speaks a lie. And we need to understand <laughs> that Satan is a liar. Oh, 
there was one. Oh, come on. Dang it. This one came recently. <sighs> Hallelujah. Uh, okay, if I remember it, I'll, I'll say it. Amen. <laughs> but it came flashed in my mind immediately, initially, or whatever. Now, um, we trust God. Hallelujah. The warfare is in believing. That's the warfare. And the reason why these witnesses came, because these witnesses that came, they're bringing forth some kind of unction, some kind of grace, some kind of impartation, so that we see to it. Amen? If you look at someone like Abraham, for example, you see the diligence in that man. Amen? There are some things that, by the mercy and grace of God, he sought to completion. If you look at someone like um, a Moses now, or an Elijah. Amen? Hallelujah. Can you give me that scripture again? Um, Judges chapter 3. Hope everyone understands what I'm saying. Let me see if I can. I think I wrote this thing down. <laughs> Did I write it down? There's that one. It is not working. That was the last one. <laughs> this thing is not working. That was the one. That was the last one. When God, I was like, ah, I've been believing for so long. God now told me, that is Satan that's talking. Ah, I was so happy that day. I said, Jesus. So the devil has been lying to me most of my life. Do you know what? There are seasons of my life, I would receive something tangible very powerful but I need to be patient with it now because Satan knows the way for this thing to penetrate your soul is through patience because the process of entering your subconscious it takes a while so don't it comes and whispers to you you're tired you are, you are so tired when that one doesn't work you've been going at this thing for a while it is not working now I have I'm not speaking from what is it now. I have seen evidence that this is Satan lying. By choosing to doubt those words and believe what I believe God said. And I've seen fruit from that. Does that make sense? So I'm not speaking. I'm not just sharing a nice tip or a Facebook course or an Instagram thing or whatever. I'm speaking from practical experience. Amen? Now I'm saying this because something that helped, the two things that helped, that video that you shared about that guy that said that when evil spirits, uh, when Satan is, um, when they're plaguing and you're speaking God's word and they now, they, they, one thing Satan wants you to do is to feel like what you're saying is not working. That was, that was another one. That one helped initially but the one that got to me recently was the patience one. When you are waiting for a long time, you've been doing everything faithfully for a long time. I'm discovering that it's not just faith. It is those who do faith and patience. Amen? Even in the good word of God, in, um, in the parable of the sower, the Bible says, with an understanding heart and a patient heart, they bring forth fruit to maturity. Hallelujah. It's not magic. Yes, yes, yes. So, this is a, we, we want to arm ourselves, amen, with truth in every single way so that we can properly experience, I know what I'm saying, no, these things are so, um, I don't use the word practical. They are so, is the word reliable? The same way if I kick this thing, it's going to move. 
I know that if I move my, my foot fast enough, I hit this thing, it's going to move. They are so reliable. I like what Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They are mighty through God for pulling down strongholds. What he was saying was that the weapons of our warfare are specially tailored, designed. They are good at dealing with strongholds. One of these, one of these weapons is patience. It is, it is something that people, it says here, they had not known any of the wars in Canaan. This was only so that the generation of the children of Israel might be taught to know warfare. Hallelujah. At least those who had not formerly known it. Listen very closely. In, um, in Jewish, Jewish martial arts, it's very interesting. If you look at natural Israel, I'm telling you, you will see the Bible in these people. They have a form of martial arts called Krav Maha. It is a martial art that is designed to work with instinct and pressure points. So the way you naturally respond to things, it's, it takes those instinctive responses and you train yourself to make them dangerous. Does that make sense? Then that's one. The second, second um, part of it is that each user of this martial art, you train from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. just doing physical fitness, as in cardio. Then from 6 p.m., they now teach you how to fight. You know what they're building inside of you? Patience. Endurance. Who knows what I'm saying? Cardio. Your heart can be boom, 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 boom. And you just keep on going for a very long period of time. That's how Jewish people wage warfare. Is everyone listening? Because Jewish people, if you check all throughout, all throughout history, Jewish people have always been small in number and small in size. Paul Davis encountered Jesus recently. He was sharing. He said, when he saw Jesus, that he was taller than him. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. Jewish people are very short people. So when you read all these things in the Bible, don't think that it was one big muscular man that was doing anything. Joshua, all of them, they were all what? Short people. So when you are seeing them killing the giants, it is an insult to them. <laughs> you know what? Is everyone listening? When you are seeing David, a teenage boy, of the short race of people killing Goliath, a man from his youth race for warfare, you know that it was not because the stone was pointy. <laughs> Is everyone listening? <laughs> Hallelujah. Who understands what I'm talking about here? There is a skill for warfare. Hallelujah. And I believe very strongly that is what these, um, these witnesses have come to bring to us. Amen. A major proponent of these things, hallelujah, is patience. Where we are patient with that process or we are enduring, we are... Mm, ah, what's the right word here? We're able to bear with the process. Does that make sense? <laughs> We're able to see the process through. Amen? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So I want to do something very practical, amen? I want us to pray. Hallelujah.